The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, September 3rd, 2023, on the basis of Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. The cross has been a symbol of Christianity for almost as long as the church has been around. Almost. Nowadays, of course, crosses are everywhere. They're in art and architecture. Large ones, like this copper one, adorn churches. Or you might have a smaller one in your living room at home. The cross is so simple. Just two lines. Yet it means so much to us. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, the very first Christians, the Christians who were still alive when the apostles were around, would have never thought about making the cross the symbol for their faith. We think the cross is a nice decoration. They thought it was despicable and disgusting. We see the cross as a rallying point for our faith. They saw the cross as so shameful, you really shouldn't even bring it up. That's because those Christians lived in the first century AD in the Roman Empire, when the Romans were still using the cross as a tool to execute people. Wearing a cross on a necklace to them would be like wearing an electric chair necklace to us, except worse, because the cross was the most inhumane way a person could die. It was so inhumane, actually, that the Romans made a law. No Roman citizen could ever be crucified. The cross was reserved for only the most shameful scum of the earth. The Romans called it the supreme penalty because it was designed to submit someone to the, mo the most pain possible that a human could experience. And it's to the people living in that Roman world that Jesus says, Take up your cross. Didn't Jesus love those people? Doesn't he love us? Why does Jesus ask his followers to do something so horrible? Because the kind of church Jesus wants isn't just a church with a cross up behind the altar. And it's not just people who hang crosses in their living rooms. He wants a church full of people who carry their cross. And even though the cross as a symbol has become benign and even beautiful to us today, the cross as a symbol for the way our life is going to go can seem as despicable and disgusting to us as it did to the people of Jesus' time. But as we study Jesus' words in the gospel today, we'll see that the cross, this symbol of suffering, is really the reason we rejoice. Last Sunday morning, we heard that Peter confessed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we heard Jesus confirm that, yes, he is the Messiah, the Christ. And what's more, he told Peter that that knowledge didn't come from inside Peter. It was revealed to him by God himself. And even better, Jesus promised the disciples that he would build an unconquerable church that not even the gates of hell could touch. Talk about a high moment for the disciples. Finally, they knew for certain that this Jesus of Nazareth they'd been following around was, in fact, the Christ they'd been waiting for. So now that the disciples knew who Jesus was, 
it was time for him to tell them what the Christ would do. The Christ would go to Jerusalem. The Christ would face off against the most powerful religious leaders of the day, and he would lose. He would suffer, he would die, and on the third day, he would be raised to life. Matthew tells the story so vividly, we can almost picture Peter barely letting Jesus get out that last part about the rising from the grave before he gets in front of Jesus and pulls him aside and says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus, the Christ is supposed to usher in peace on earth and rule a kingdom of grace, not end up despised and dead. Last Sunday morning, we heard Jesus call Peter the rock because of his rock-solid confession. Now, he calls him a stumbling block. Peter had ju- or Jesus had just commended Peter for speaking with the very words of God. Now, what does Jesus call Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus says, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, you don't get it. You're putting human ideas above God's concerns. Peter probably saw some perks coming his way if Jesus were to take the messianic throne. He might have thought he had a good shot at being the second-hand man to the Messiah. But Peter's visions of grandeur distracted him from what the Christ actually came to earth to do. And it's pretty shocking, right, when Jesus calls Peter Satan. It tells us that this idea of Peter's, this idea that the Christ shouldn't die, is a satanic idea. It was a temptation. It was a temptation for Jesus to just skip over the crucifixion and death part and get straight to the ruling the universe part. Praise be to God that Jesus did not harbor that temptation even for a second. We can actually find great comfort in Jesus' startling words, get behind me, Satan, because it is with those words that Jesus repelled that temptation beyond a shadow of a doubt. With those words, Jesus proved he was completely dedicated to the concerns of God. He was completely dedicated to the mission his father had given him to march to Jerusalem, to take up his cross, to suffer death, and to rise again. He was completely dedicated to the mission his father had given him to love you and me so much that he would rather undergo all the emotional shame and physical pain of a Roman crucifixion and suffer the hell itself that we deserved rather than see a single one of us suffer any of it. Our Savior's cross is the reason we rejoice even though we know the immense suffering he went through because it is that suffering that proves his love for us is just that immense. Our Savior's cross is the reason we rejoice because there's no way you can look at Jesus' cross and think for a second that he doesn't love you. So after Jesus announced his cross to his disciples and then rejected that temptation, he turns back to his disciples and it's kind of like he turns to us. And he gives us even more words that are reason to rejoice. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
But Jesus has already defeated all our sin and shame once for all on the cross. What is this new cross that's left for us to carry? This is the cross that comes when we deny our natural human will, deny our human concerns, and take up the concerns of God, making God's will our own will. When we do that, our natural will suffers. And Jesus isn't talking about just human suffering in general here. Of course, everyone on earth suffers at some point, whether you're a Christian or not. Sometimes we're tempted to think that being a Christian is supposed to put kind of a spiritual force field around us that repels all the suffering. But in reality, it's more the opposite. That being a Christian is more like a magnet that attracts all these extra sufferings to us when we live out our faith. That's why Jesus doesn't tell us to go find a cross or to create one for ourselves. He tells us to expect the cross that will automatically come when we make God's will our own. Notice that Jesus says all of his disciples must deny themselves. But not all Christians carry the same crosses. Peter and the apostles, for example, carried crosses of imprisonment, exile, execution when they refused to deny that Jesus was alive in public court of law. It's unlikely that any of us will ever face those crosses. But as Christians living in America, we do face crosses that are very public. The Christian child misses the important sports tournament because it's scheduled on Sunday morning. The Christian parent avoids joining in the fun gossip time at the workplace. The Christian single leaves the social event early when they're tempted to sin. And soon another cross comes up for all of those Christians because before you know it, they start to notice their non-Christian friends aren't quite as eager to strike up a conversation with them anymore. Straining of friendships and loss of social status are public crosses that we carry. We also carry private crosses, which are more personal, but no less painful. We carry private crosses when we work to crush our sinful nature so that we can do God's will. Sometimes our sinful nature is so blatant that it likes to just put God's will for our lives in the back seat so that we can continue doing that one sin we love so much. Other times it's more subtle. We kind of bargain with God. We think, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take up this smaller cross over here that even has a couple benefits for me. And that'll make me feel all right about skipping around the large, more painful cross right in front of me. Whether the cross is private or public, our nature naturally recoils from suffering for Jesus' sake. We hate that idea of making a sacrifice for someone else. Even more so, even than the people of Jesus' day recoiled when they walked past a crucifixion in progress. We think to ourselves, what's the point? Who is benefiting from any of this suffering? Jesus already defeated the devil and the world. Why can't he just take away my pain? Jesus reminds us, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? In other words, 
I will absolutely lose something when I take up my cross. And it will be painful, sometimes incredibly painful. But what I gain is far, far more valuable. I lose that old life, that old life that I spent working for my happiness. Everything I did was at its core for me. And the burden of finding my own happiness was on myself. So if I ever ran out of happiness, I had to find some more. And I was constantly chasing and chasing into disappointment. I lose that dead-end life. And I gain a life where peace and value and purpose and forgiveness are already fully and freely won for me. Jesus took up his cross to win all those blessings and more for you and for me. Now he asks us to take up our cross, not because there's anything left to earn, but to help us crush our sinful nature, which is always trying to sneak back into that old, disappointing way of life. Going through challenging and painful sufferings always reminds us over and over that we can't find any value within ourselves. Our value has been determined 2,000 years ago when the Son of God himself deemed you worthy of suffering a crucifixion. Whatever cross you carry, may it always remind you of how much Jesus must value you that he took up that cross and climbed up the hill called Golgotha. A second blessing that comes from carrying our cross is the blessing of purpose. When we make God's will into our will, we naturally start to focus on the things that have more lasting purpose. Purpose throughout our lives and then past our death, even to eternity. Losing out on certain joys in life remember, reminds us that holding our Savior closest to our hearts is the most lasting purpose we can ever have. So suffering reminds us of our value to God and of our purpose here on earth. It's also a natural witness to those around us. The world is so used to people living for themselves, always trying to serve themselves. And then you come along. And you are genuinely more interested in their happiness than your own. And yet somehow they can sense you're more content than anyone they've ever come across. You're a powerful witness to the blessings of the cross before you've even said a word about your faith. Even with all these blessings, the cross Jesus asks us to carry can still weigh us down. When you feel like your cross is too heavy, turn once again to your Savior's cross. Remind yourself of how much he loved you to bear that cross, and you'll find renewed strength and forgiveness to continue on and stand up under your cross. God has taken an instrument of cruelty and hatred that is the Roman cross and he's turned it into the symbol of the highest love. When you look at this cross, or the cross hanging on your wall at home, don't shy away from thinking about all the horrible suffering that Jesus endured. Because the more suffering he endured, the more he showed his love for you. And in the same way, when he asks you to carry your cross, don't shy away, no matter how painful it might become. Because the more painful it is, the more it will drive you back again and again to your Savior's cross, which is the cross that gives you life. Praise Jesus for carrying his cross on your behalf by carrying your cross for him. Follow him and lose your life.
because whoever loses their life for Jesus' sake will find it. Amen.